the book of Acts, Acts chapter number 12, Acts chapter 12. I'm so thankful for the one that was baptized today, and I believe out of five weeks here this year, I think we baptized three of these five weeks, so we praise the Lord for that, and the staff told me today, or yesterday, I heard that we had a couple more lined up um, uh, in the weeks to come as well, so it's always exciting to see people baptized. If you have trusted Jesus Christ as your Savior and you've yet to be baptized, please let us know. And we would like to talk to you about baptism, what it means. It doesn't save a person. A person uh, is not going to go to heaven because they've been baptized. Baptism is just simply uh, letting all those around you know that you have already received Jesus Christ as your Savior. It's you're putting your faith and trust in Jesus Christ is that what saves a person and uh, gives them everlasting life, eternal life. And so if you have done that, we'd love to speak to you about baptism. If you've been baptized, we'd love to speak to you about church membership and uh, whatever the next step is you need in your life. We would love to speak to you about that. Maybe you are been saved, baptized, you're a church member and you need to serve in a place. Uh, we'd love to talk to you about serving. There's a lot of opportunities uh, that uh, you can serve. God has placed you here in this church to do something for him. He's gifted you with something that you can use to bring honor and glory to him. And so we want to help you uh, with that. Acts chapter number 12. We are studying on Sunday mornings through the book of Acts. We've come to uh, Acts chapter 12. Last week, we looked at just the power of prayer, what prayer does, praying for others. And we found that Herod, the, uh, the king, has taken and killed James. And then he took Peter. When he saw that the people enjoyed the fact that he had killed one of the apostles, he then took Peter and he, and he uh, uh, was going to take Peter's life as well. Peter's imprisoned, and we saw that he was, he was uh, uh, between two guards. He was uh, uh, taken there and, and placed in that cell. He was chained with two chains, the Bible says, and there were 16 pri- uh, uh, guards around him inside the cell, outside the cell. The cell door was locked, and, and uh, then the gate that leads from the prison into the city, all of these were locked, and every single one of those chains that he, what chained him was, was loosed, and the doors were opened, and, and Peter walked out of that prison because there was a church that was praying for him. We saw that last week, but it doesn't stop there. Now, what does Herod do? Herod, uh, the Bible tells us in verse number 18, now as soon as it was day, there was no small stir among the soldiers, uh, what was become of Peter and what that means is this, there was great excitement. When the Bible says no small stir, that means there were a lot of people talking, a lot of people concerned. Where is Peter? He was fastened to these guards inside the cell and, and the, the chains that he was fastened to, they're just loose. The, the locks are off and, and Peter's gone. Who, who could have possibly come in while all of these uh, guards were holding Peter? Who could have come in and taken Peter? And the Bible says there was no small stir. There was great excitement about this talk of what happened, what's become of Peter. And when Herod had sought for him, and found him not, he examined the keepers and commanded that they should be put to death. And he went down from Judea to Caesarea in their abode. And Herod was highly displeased with them of Tyre and Sidon. But they came with one accord to him and having made Blastus the king's chamberlain, their friend desired peace because their country was nourished by the king's country. And what that simply means is this, the, their, they had bread, they had food because the king was, was giving them the, the resources and the things that they needed. 
And upon a set day, Herod, arrayed in royal apparel, sat upon his throne and made an oration unto them. And the people gave a shout, saying, It is the voice of a God and not of man. And immediately the angel of the Lord smote him, because he gave not God the glory. And he was eaten of worms and gave up the ghost. But the word of God grew and multiplied. We see that word, that word, but, that three-letter word, B-U-T, but. You know something's going to change when you're reading and you find that word, you come across that word, but. It seemed like uh, here, uh, Herod, he's dead and, and uh, God took his life, but the word of God grew and multiplied. And Barnabas and Saul returned from Jerusalem when they had fulfilled their ministry and took with them John, whose surname was Mark. Father, Lord, I pray that you've been, you've been pleased today. Lord, we come here to do one thing, and that's to bring honor and glory to your name, to exalt you, Lord, to worship you. And I pray, Lord, that through our singing, through our giving, Lord, now through the preaching of your word, that you would receive honor. Lord, we pray that no one, no man here receives any honor that's, that's due to you. Lord, we, we know that you don't share uh, your glory with, with no one. You, you are a God that's deserving of all of our glory, all of our praise. And so, Lord, I pray that as we look at this word today, your word, that you help us. Help us as we lead and help us as we minister. Help us, Lord, as we in our homes and in this community, in the workplace. Lord, I pray you help us become like Christ. In Jesus' name, amen. Herod wants the praise of all man. We find here in this passage of scripture, that's the purpose of what Herod is doing. Herod kills James and he hears that it, it pleases the people and Herod wants to please the people uh, for one reason is that so the people give him glory. They, they did here in, in uh, verse number 22 and the people gave a shout saying, it is the voice of a God and not of a man. And Herod desired to hear that. Herod desired to hear how much the people loved him. Herod desires to hear the, the praise. He desires power. He desires prestige. In reality, this is seen in many leaders throughout human history. It's actually even seen today. It's not something that we look in the Bible and say, oh, these humans of yesteryear, how they sought glory and how they sought honor and how they wanted power. No, as a matter of fact, it doesn't take us long. Just look at leaders look at what's happening in Washington, look what's happening in the workplace. It seems like the human being, mankind is, is, is sick, wanting power and wanting authority and wanting prestige. Men seek authority. Men seek power. Men do whatever they can. They're willing to do anything to get it, and as we even see in this passage of scripture, not only willing to do anything to get it, willing to do anything to keep it, even take someone's life. We see it in governments, we see it in corporations, we see it even in churches, unfortunately. All the way down, I remember as I was a kid, in elementary school, the greatest thing you could be when you were in elementary school was a crossing guard. How many of you remember that? 
they gave us a, a, uh, a badge and a, uh, just a little, little uh, uh, um, holder to put that badge on and, and, and you snapped it around your waist and it went over your shoulder and the cool kids even took it off their shoulder and uh, wore that badge. And if you were a crossing guard, you could tell people what to do. I don't know why you don't have those anymore. I guess all the authority went to kids' heads, but I remember that everyone wanted to be a crossing guard but only a few were selected. And we didn't like those that were selected because they would tell us, wait. And they would tell us what to do. Authority, mankind wants authority. They want power. Men seek it. Men desire it. And the sad thing is this, mankind can't get enough of it. The more power someone gets, the more power they want. The more prestige they get, the more prestige they want. The more, the more money mankind gets, the more they want. It just seems like we can't get enough and we'll do anything for it. We see some lessons here from Herod. There's some, some lessons just on, on leadership, lessons I think that every one of us here can learn because the reality is this, everyone here in this room is in a place of some kind of authority in your life. There's authority in your home, maybe authority in the workplace, authority in society, authority in the church. Everyone here, there's someone that's following you. There's someone that's looking up to you. There's someone that sees the way that you're behaving, the way that you're acting. And you're in a place of authority over them. And this is authority. God establishes authority. Authority in itself, there's nothing wrong with. Throughout the Bible, God tells us to respect those and honor those that are in authority over us. The Bible tells us that God sets up and removes kings and kingdoms. God places people in authority. But what do we do when we get placed in authority? Herod here, he desired praise. He desired power. He desired for man to tell him how great he was. And, and we see how God deals with that. A man like Herod, when he is demanding this, this praise and, 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 and getting glory from this praise and the people shouting and saying to him, oh, he's a voice of a God, we find here in the Bible says in verse number 23, and immediately the angel of the Lord smote him. God's not willing to share his glory with man. God doesn't set man up in a place of authority so that man can abuse authority. He sets man up in a place of authority because those in a place of authority are supposed to point those that are following them to God. If you have any authority, if you have any leadership in your life, and again, I would, I would argue this, everyone in this room does at some level have leadership in their life. There's someone that's looking to you. God desires for you to point them to him. And anytime we point man to ourselves, or we use or abuse that authority, God's not pleased with it. I want us just to look at a few things, maybe a little bit different than a, of a Sunday morning type message today, but I just as I was praying and reading through this passage of Scripture, studying this passage of Scripture, the Lord just kept bringing things to my mind and bringing things that I believe that he wants us to hear this morning. We see some lessons here from Herod. I want you to write these down, if you would please, this morning. If you are in a place of authority, if you are in a place of authority, would you please just mark this down? Be careful. Don't allow any position in life to inflate your ego 
or cause you to feel superior to someone else. God didn't place you in a place of authority so that you can be superior to someone else. He places his people in places of authority to care for other people. He places people in places of authority to nourish those around them. God gave us children, not just so that we can boss our kids around. God gave us children so that we can nourish them and we can love them and we can invest in them so that they can see Christ in us. You see, parents, if God has given you a child, the closest thing to Christ that that child ought to see is you. Be careful. Be careful if God has given you a place of authority or a place of leadership at work, then people at work ought to see Christ in you. Not that we're someone because we've arrived to a position. I see here that Herod, all Herod desired was that people would respond to him and his wishes. Here we find that people, he just simply wanted the masses to look at him like he was a God. He wanted his guards to do whatever he told them to do. He thought he was even the giver and the taker of life. Herod thought that he could take anyone's life that he chose to. But God proved him wrong. God showed Herod that you can't touch a life of Peter unless I give you the authority to do that. Matter of fact, even in this passage that we read this morning, what God did is immediately, the Bible says, the angel of the Lord smote him. What God was showing the people and what God was showing Herod, that there is one true God. There's only one God that can take someone's life. It's only one God that has that authority, that has that power. It's the one true God. It's the God of the Bible. It's not man. We... We find here that, I believe this, we need to be careful. Number one, number two, look with me in verse number 18. And now, as soon as it was day, there was no small stir among the soldiers what was become of Peter. Now, when I was reading, studying through that verse, that verse, it concerned me. Because here in this passage of scripture, this verse really says so much. These guards here were simply doing their job. These guards here actually did their job. There's, there's, there's nothing that these guards could have done any differently because God was working. There's no way that these guards could have kept Peter in that jail cell because God chose to release him. Those guards, when they woke up that morning, they knew that it was sudden death, certain death. Number two, would you write this down? Not only are we to be careful for those that we lead, number two, be considerate of those that we are leading. Don't allow your position to instill fear and intimidation in those that you lead. In verse number 18, the soldiers were afraid. They knew it was death. In Acts chapter number 16, just a few chapters away, we find a man by the name of Paul. He is in prison. He's in the Philippian jail. And, and something happens as well. Uh, 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 the Lord comes in and, and uh, uh, frees P, uh, Paul from his prison cell. And we find, if we were to take the time to look in that passage of Scripture, that the jailkeeper, he realized that everyone around him was gone. He realized the prisoners had escaped. And the Bible says that he took his sword not to try to find the prisoners and kill the prisoners, but he took his sword and he was going to kill himself because he knew that when those in a place of authority found out that the prisoners were gone, it was going to be his life. 
there was no different with these, those in the, uh, the guards here. And that verse, it tells us the fear. It tells us the panic. When the Bible says there was no small stir among them, they knew that if they couldn't find Peter, that they were dead. And that didn't just affect those guards. It affected the wives of those guards and the children of those guards. And it, it affected the other guards knowing the, the type of pressure, the type of fear that was going to be upon them. All because of one man abusing his authority. Don't allow your position to instill fear. Listen, God didn't put you in the place of leadership so that all those around you would fear you. He didn't put you in that place so that all those around you would be in, intimidated by you. I knew of a, a fella, and uh, we, our kids are all about the same age. Or, and um, when, he had, when he had kids, when they were growing up, I'd watch him. We'd go to dinner with him, or we'd be at their house, or they'd be at our house. And, and their son was almost afraid to even do anything because they were afraid what dad was going to do. And, and I'd watch him. He'd, he'd always look at his, he'd always be looking at his dad. Every time he did something, he'd look up at his dad. And it was not a look of, tell me how great I just did, a look of, is dad going to get me? I noticed that. I thought to myself, that kid is walking, living life, always in fear that he's going to be in trouble. Always in fear that he's going to be disciplined. Always in fear, uh, uh, just that feeling of intimidation. Listen, God didn't put you in a place of leadership so that you instill fear in people's lives, so that you intimidate them. Be considerate. They're humans. You know, God puts you in a place of leadership, I say this again, so they could see the love of Christ, the compassion of Christ. God placed you in a, a place of leadership so that you could nourish people, so that you could bring people to, to see Christ to their value of what Christ has in, uh, for them so you can help them not be what you desire for them to be, but so that you can help them be what God designed them to be and desires for them to be. And so if you're in a place of leadership, be careful, be considerate. Would you write this down at this point? Would you, would you be concerned be concerned for, those, for the good of those that are following you. H hear me, church. People are not disposable. Every single person that God puts in your life is valuable. Every single person you come across has a soul that Jesus Christ came and died for. God didn't put you in a place of leadership to use people to do whatever you want done. God put you in a place of leadership so that you could love people and they could see Christ in you. But Herod here is the type of leader that when you disappoint him, he writes you off. It doesn't matter if you're an apostle, he'll take your life. It doesn't matter if, you're, if your name is Peter, he, he places you in prison. It doesn't matter if uh, you're one of the faithful guards that are serving him or loyal to him, he, he'll take your life. Look what happens in verse number uh, 10, um, uh, 19. And when Herod had sought for him and found him not, he examined the keepers and commanded they should be put to death. Herod cared about no one other than himself. 
And, and then what does he do? He leaves Judea and goes to Caesarea. You know, the, this, this place is Caesarea. Uh, when I visited Israel, I went and, and, and uh, uh, took a group there. And, and this was a, a luxury resort. This is a place of, of, of bathhouses and what, uh, 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 all over. And what that simply means, he would go in and, and, and uh, have, have spa days, really what, what Herod did. He built this on the coast there of, of the Mediterranean so that he could have a place that he could consistently and constantly resort to. They showed us the marvels of this. They would uh, uh, pipe in uh, fresh water from the inland to, to come to this place because they couldn't drink the water that was there. And everything, every, every single thing that would, would cause pleasure and bring joy and, and uh, uh, for Herod, he built this place just so that he could enjoy himself. While everyone else that served him lived in fear. While everyone else that served him was afraid, intimidated. Herod says, I, you're of no value to me any longer, so I'm going to take your life. And then, he, and then in verse number 20, and Herod was highly displeased with them of Tyre and Sodom, but they came with one accord to him. He, he, he would show his displeasure and, and cause entire groups of people to feel intimidated just so that Herod could get his way. What a rotten leader this is. What, 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 when we see this, someone that is so inconsiderate, someone that is so uncareful in ministering to people, someone that has no concern for others, but I believe this, a good leader is careful, a, a godly leader is considerate, a godly leader is concerned for the good of those that are following him. He's concerned for the spiritual growth of those that are following him. Here in this passage of scripture, Herod could care less. But hear me today, a lesson I think that we could learn from this is that a, 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 a leader ought to care for the spiritual good, the spiritual maturity of those that are following him. Every single person that God has allowed you to have any kind of leadership or authority over, they ought to see a spiritual leader in you. They ought to see someone that consistently points them to Christ. Authority and leadership. It should, it, should, it should cause the people that you're leading, it should cause the people that you're leading to see Christ. Listen to me, in verse number 19, I want you to see this. And when Herod sought for him and found him not, he examined the keepers, he commanded that they should be put to death. And then he went down to Judea, Judea from Judea to Caesarea, and he abode there. Would you write this down, please? You're never better than anyone else. There's no one in this room that's better than anyone else. It doesn't matter that you may be in a place of leadership. It doesn't matter that you might be in a place of authority. Would you do yourself a favor and never come to a place where that you allow that leadership and that authority to cause you to think that you're better? The Bible still says that God's not a respecter of persons. You're, you're not in that place because you're special and the world needs you. You're in that place because God wants you to, through that leadership, to love others and show Christ to others. Caesarea, this beautiful place, this beautiful resort place, never let yourself get to a place where you feel like you are owed something. 
in a place of leadership. Now, maybe you're thinking today, what does this have to do with us? Because hear me again, every single person in this room, you're going to leave here and you're going to spend your week in some level of authority. You're a parent, you're a manager, you're an owner, you're a teacher, you're a coach. You hold some place of authority. Never let that place of authority get you to a place where you think you're owed something. Where those underneath of you are there to serve you and whatever you need, they're there to fill your need. You see, that's not biblical authority. That's not the authority that Christ showed. And Christ was a servant. Christ was there to serve. Matter of fact, it was Christ that kneeled down and began to wash his disciples' feet. What type of person in authority could possibly do that? The, the creator of this universe, it was Christ that was there with God and the Spirit of God. When, when, he, spoke, when he spoke eternity or, or the world into existence, when he made mankind and breathed into mankind the life, it was, it was Christ that was there. And now it's Christ, uh, the creator, bending and washing the feet of the created. That's true authority. That's true leadership. This leadership that Herod is, is showing us in chapter number 12, that's the leadership of the world. That's the leadership of climbing a ladder. That's the leadership of, of becoming something and finally arriving to where you have what you want in life and, and others are serving you. But, oh, hear me, friend, today, that's not biblical authority. It's the opposite of biblical authority. Here we find Herod leaves the, the minions, the, those that are serving him, to go to, to rest and abide here at Caesarea. I heard a message this past week and something that this, this preacher said just really resonated with me. He said this, Jesus walked with his disciples. He spent time with them. Yet so many people want to mentor and lead, but they never want to spend time with those that they're leading. Everywhere Jesus went, he walked. You know what was next to him? his disciples. He used every single opportunity he could to teach and train his disciples because there was going to come a day that there was going to be a man named Herod and he was going to persecute the church. And, and, and it was Peter that Jesus would walk by his side and, and Peter by Jesus' side and Jesus would use a tree or he'd use a woman at a well or he'd use a, a, a widow's mite or he, a, a, a lady that gave all that she had or he'd use maybe one of the other disciples. He used everything he possibly could, whether it was on a boat or it was a, maybe a fish taking a coin out of a fish's mouth. Everything Jesus possibly could use, he used so that he could teach his disciples because there was coming a day that the 
disciples were going to take a stand for the cause of Christ. There was coming a day when Peter was going to stand and thousands were going to be saved. There was coming a day that Peter was going to be placed in a prison cell and the church was going to pray and seek God and God was going to move. You see, Jesus walked with his disciples. He wanted to teach his disciples. He wanted to invest in his disciples. He didn't push them away. He separated from the multitudes at time to rest, but he took his disciples with him so he could invest in them. Listen, listen to me today. If you're in a place of leadership, God has placed you there so that you can invest in the lives of others so that they could serve God. I want to ask you this question individually. Would you answer this in your heart? Who has an excitement to serve God today because of the investment you're making in their life? Who's closer to God today because of the investment that you're making in their life? Who knows something about God today because of the investment that you're making in their life? We don't walk with anyone anymore. We, we're not, if we're not careful, the place of leadership isn't there so that we invest and we learn. The place of leadership is there like in, in Herod's life so that we get and we gain and we, our authority increases and our, and our, and, and our, our gain continues to, grow, continues to grow. But that's not what God has for us as spiritual leaders. God has us there to invest in others so that others have a desire to serve Jesus Christ with their life. God hasn't blessed us. He hasn't blessed you. He hasn't blessed me and given us authority to be abusive to others, but rather to bless others and meet their needs. Hear me in this passage of scripture, Herod did whatever he could so that he could have his authority, his power, his prestige, Caesarea. See, Herod was so concerned about him. He'd kill for it. He'd do anything to get it. Hear, hear me, please, please. Because this world is so opposite. In Christian, I'm afraid that if we're not careful, we're getting sucked in to what leadership looks like in this world. And it's totally opposite from what leadership looks like from the word of God. In relationships, husbands and wives' relationships, husbands, instead of nurturing and loving their wives, they're abusive. It ought not be so. Matter of fact, the Bible says of the husband to love your wife like Christ loved the church. They're not there to to abuse. We're not there to, to just simply meet our needs. We're there as husbands to nurture and love our family and point them to Jesus Christ. I'm thinking of this man by the name of Joseph in Egypt. God blessed Joseph and God put Joseph in a, a place of leadership in Egypt, not so that Joseph could have all the good of Egypt, not so that Joseph could be the second ruler in all the land, and not so that Joseph could make a name for himself, but because God wanted Joseph to nurture his brother and his, his father and his family. 
And that's why Joseph said to his brother when they came to him, when his father died, and they said, oh, dad wanted you to know not to abuse us and, and not to throw us in jail and, and not to discipline us for what we did. We're, we're so sorry. The Bible says that Joseph began to cry because Joseph understood biblical leadership. He said, what you meant for evil, God meant for good. God put me in a place for this reason so that I could nurture and love him and God's people. You see, God places you in a place of leadership for such a time as this because there's something that God wants you to do that points other men and other women to Jesus Christ. Would you write this down in your life as well? Something else I see from this passage of scripture. Would you write this down? Something, lessons that we could learn from Herod's leadership. Watch for pride within yourself. You know, it's so easy to spot pride in someone else's life. And it's so hard to see it within us. It's so easy to evaluate someone else and say, look at them, look what they're doing wrong. Look at their decision there and look how they behave there. But I want to say today, let's look inside of our hearts. and Let's see if there's anything there that just doesn't belong there. If there's any pride, if there's any arrogance, if there's any, any ego inside of us that would hinder us from being the leaders that God desires for us to be. And look, look again in verse number 19. And as soon as it was day, there was no small stir among the soldiers that was be, uh, become of Peter. Watch for pride within your heart. Would you see this? Herod didn't like to see himself as weak. Herod, Herod thought this, I'm the king, I've got to be strong. If I'm, if I'm seen as weak, then someone's going to take advantage of that. If I'm seen as weak, then somebody might, one of these soldiers might not do what they're supposed to do, and, and another person might leave, and if too many people break out of jail and get out of prison, then, then it's going to make me look as a weak leader. Be careful of pride in your life. Herod didn't like to see himself as weak. Sometimes if we're not careful, we mistake meekness for weakness. Listen to me, Jesus Christ was the most meek person alive here on this earth. Here's God of heaven. Here's 100% God. He created this, this universe. He created this earth. He created mankind. But he came to this earth and he became a man. He became a, a man. He became a servant. He went to the cross and he shed his blood, his precious blood, that sinless blood upon the cross so that you and I could have everlasting life to some that might seem weak. But hear me, because of that, you and I have everlasting life. And there's no other way to heaven except through Jesus Christ. A man can't work himself to heaven. A man can't be religious enough. A man can't give enough. There's nothing you can do to merit heaven. Yet Jesus Christ humbled himself and became a man and went to the cross Well, the leadership that Jesus Christ shows so opposite from the leadership that Herod shows here. Watch for pride within yourself. Number two, look with me in verse number 21. The Bible says this, and upon a set day, Herod arrayed in royal apparel, sat upon his throne and made an oration unto them. Herod said, I'm gonna, I'm gonna go, I'm gonna choose a specific day. There was a certain day 
And he goes out there for one reason. He wanted to be important. He wanted all the people to know how great of a leader he was, how important he was. Herod didn't like to see himself as unimportant. Be careful. Be careful of pride. Be careful we get to the place where we're someone and someone should treat us a certain way. And if they don't treat us a certain way, that, that, that anger and that, that pride can well up inside of us. Because you're not becoming the leader God desires you to be. You're becoming Herod. I see this in verse number 22. And the people gave a shout saying, it is a voice of a God and not of man. Herod didn't like to see himself beneath God. When the people came and said, Herod, you are a voice of a God and not man. Herod should have said, whoa, wait a minute. You've gone too far. I'm not God and I'm not a voice of a God. I'm I'm a man and we don't see that in in Herod's life. We see this pride welling up inside of him when he gets to the place where he didn't even want to see himself beneath God. He wanted to be equal with God. Oh, this is exactly what we find when Satan in that war that took place in heaven, he, he wanted to be equal with God. He didn't want to be beneath God. He wasn't wasn't satisfied just being one of God's created beings. He wasn't satisfied just being one of the angels. He wasn't satisfied until he became equal with God and and, and that war took place in heaven and a third of the angels fell because of pride. Oh, it's that was Satan, that serpent that went to uh, Eve in the garden and, and, and tempted Eve. And what he tempted Eve with was this. If you eat of this fruit, you'll be like God. What he was saying is this. Don't be satisfied being beneath God. Don't be satisfied till you are God. That's pride. And hear me, church. If we're not careful, that can sink into us in our leadership. In whatever place you're leading in, and you would never say, I would never want to be like God, but if someone gives you praise and someone gives you what belongs to God, are you satisfied taking it? You see, watch for pride within yourself. Be careful. Be careful of the one that needs accolades. Be careful of the one that needs a position. Be careful of the one that needs affirmation. Be careful of the one that needs prominence. Throughout the New Testament, Paul warns, of the, warns the church, be careful of certain people. They seek preeminence. They seek position. They seek authority. They just want to be heard. They, they just want to be seen. Paul says, mark them, be careful of them. That's Herod's leadership. That's not Jesus Christ and his style of leadership. Jesus was a servant. He was willing to serve. He was willing to wash feet. Herod said, I'm not going to settle until they call me a God. Herod should have said no, but in Herod's heart, he liked it. It felt good to his flesh. Be careful of pride, church. Because all, while all this is going on, You know what I see? But the word of God in verse number 24 grew 
and multiplied. While Herod was trying to seek a kingdom for himself, while Herod was building this pride in his heart, while Herod was doing everything he can so that the people would, would respond to him, God was working. I entitled this message this morning, and I don't normally give titles often, or at least I don't say what the, the, they always are, but this title was this, God is always victorious. God is always victorious. You see, who loses when you behave like Herod, is Herod. Oh, you might, have, you might have for a while got some prestige. You might have thought for a moment because you killed James that you were someone. You might have thought for a moment because you had the power to kill those guards that, that uh, let Peter go, you think. Uh, you, might, you might have been in charge for a moment. Oh, it felt good for a period of time when the people came around and began to tell you that you have a voice of a God and not a voice like man. But you know what Herod learned? That God is always victorious. That God is always in control, that there is only one true God, that God is the God of, that made the heavens and the earth, God the creator of this universe, God the, the God of Abraham and Jacob and Isaac, and God the, the, the God that, that uh, sent his son, Jesus Christ, to save us, the only one true God. He's always victorious. We see this, finally, we see this example of faithfulness. My time's done, but hear me please, hear this. While Herod shows us what not to be, there's two men in the same passage of Scripture that shows us what to be. And that last verse in this passage of Scripture says, and Barnabas and Saul returned from Jerusalem when they had fulfilled their ministry and took with them John, whose surname was Mark. While, while Herod is full of pride, while Herod is full of himself, while Herod wants accolades, while, while Herod is only consumed with Herod and brings, brings grief and brings shame and brings fear and brings intimidation on all those around him because he's not getting his way, the word of God continued to grow. And there were two men found faithful, Barnabas and Saul, they returned. What did they return from? Well, go back, probably out there in that passage of scripture you have open. Go back to verse number, uh, chapter number 11, verse number 29. While all this is going on, there's two men that are faithful. Then the disciples, every man according to his ability, determined to, sh to send relief unto the brethren which dwelt in Judea, which also they did and sent it to the elders by the hands of who? Barnabas and Saul. See, chapter number 11 ends with Barnabas and Saul. It seems like doing nothing. We just... No, what happened was this. There were some elders, there were some leaders that said this. There are some people, some believers, some followers of Christ in Judea, and they're without. And so whatever we have, we're going to take an offering up. And, and this is done quietly. This is not done in big fanfare like what Herod's doing. This is just done quietly there in the church at Antioch. And the people of Antioch said, let's take an offering up and let's go back and send this back to Judea because there are some people there that are hurting. You don't see big fanfare fair about this, but you see two faithful servants, Barnabas and Saul, and they take that offering and they go back to Judea, back to the place where all of this is happening. You know, in God's economy, you know what the biggest thing going on was? The church was praying. 
the church was giving. Barnabas and Saul was being faithful. That, that word but there in verse number 24 of chapter number uh, uh, 12, it changes everything. While Herod thought that he was in control, God was being victorious. God was still working. The word of God was still growing. The, the people were being saved. The, 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 they were being multiplied. And there were faithful servants of the Lord just simply serving the Lord. See, listen to me. Herod thinks the world revolves around him. Herod thinks that he has full control. Herod thinks that everyone should worship him. Herod thinks that, that instilling fear and intimidation is the way to lead. And God, in one moment, in a moment, the Bible says, Herod's gone. But God's word continues to grow. People are still being saved. And there's faithful servants like Barnabas and Saul returning from Jerusalem and they had fulfilled their ministry. Herod dies alone. But Barnabas and Saul, because of their leadership, pointing others to Christ and the word of God grows and is multiplied, they add to them others. This one by the name of John Mark who's going to be a faithful servant of the Lord as well. You see, today, every single person in this room, you have leadership. Every single person. Your leadership is either going to be Herod-style leadership or it's going to be the leadership here that we see in Barnabas and Saul. You're going to either point people to you and if you don't get your way, you make everybody miserable if you don't get the prominence and the position and the, the accolades, you'll make everyone pay. That's Herod's style leadership. Herod dies a lonely death. Herod couldn't stop the word of God. Listen, all through history, mankind, kings and rulers have tried to stop God working. And you know what? They die, but the word of God continues. Oh, they've tried to burn this book. They'll take and burn Bibles and burn whatever they can. Anything that points that's Christian, they take and they've, they've, they've placed, they placed Christians and they've, they've killed Christians. And I, I've told you often, they've taken Christians in the, in the streets of Rome and burned them for street lamps, thinking they have the victory, thinking they've won. Listen to me today, God and only God is victorious. Herod's in his grave, God lives on. Herod is dead. The word of God increases and is multiplied. And the faithful servants fulfill their ministry. Hear me. Herod is an example of worldly leadership. Herod is an example of fleshly-led leadership. Today, may we take the example of faithfulness. Let's just do what God has called us to do. Nourish others, send relief, and give God the glory. Hear me, if you're in a place of leadership, point others to Jesus Christ. Don't make it about you. That's failed leadership. Spiritual leadership always points others to Christ. Always exalts Christ always helps others reach the potential Christ has for them. 
Everyone in this room is a leader. And I pray that you make the decision in your heart today that you're gonna lead through the example of faithfulness, not lead like Herod led. Father, Lord, we're going to